Vsin ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And we're getting you set tonight with all the wagering and fantasy information you need for the NBA, MLB, golf, and yes, March Madness. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome in to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Anita Marks with you and uh, really excited about the show tonight. We've got a lot going on. Uh, Obviously, NBA uh, wrapping up the Thunder Jazz game. Nuggets and Suns in full effect. Uh, And uh, we're going to be spending some time looking ahead to tomorrow's matchups. Obviously, uh, the Lakers going up against the Suns at 1030. Lakers looking to win that game. The Suns pretty much have locked in that number four seed. So not sure if they're going to put their best foot forward. And of course, the Clippers coming your way on Saturday as well. Uh, Andre Snellings is going to be joining us to talk some NBA during this segment as well. We'll hear from Tim McMahon uh, as well in this show because just, I don't know about you, I'm scratching my head in regard to what's going on with the Dallas Mavericks as uh, granted they won last night, but still this is a team on the outside now looking in. They're in the 11th spot looking in because they lose that tiebreaker with OKC. OKC, the Minnesota T-Wolves, the, the Pelicans, and the Lakers, of course, those four teams now in that play-in scenarios. And, and we'll see what happens because there's two games left for a number of teams. So we'll talk some NBA with you. Um, Dylan Hernandez is going to be joining us next. Excited to get him on as the Dodgers uh, started, of course, uh, about an hour ago, started their weekend series against the uh, the Diamondbacks, which is great. And uh, and they go ov- obviously through Sunday. So a four game series, May and Kelly battling it out right now. Uh, but Dylan Hernandez covers the the uh, the Dodgers for the L.A. Times. So we do uh, a, a look ahead to the series that is coming our way this weekend. And of course, uh, I share with you some of the prop bets out there that you could dive into in regard to the Dodgers uh, in the futures bets, I should say, not prop bets, but futures bets out there with the Dodgers in regard to the season. If you recall last week, I do like this Diamondbacks team. I've got them winning over 76 and a half games. They won 74 last season. I'm not saying that they're going to sit here and, and win the division. No, far from it. I think the one team that the Dodgers most have to be most concerned about, um, obviously, is the San Diego Padres. They're sitting at three and three. Arizona's sitting at three and three as well. I'm just saying, uh, the Dodgers, as we know, they're four and two. San Francisco, two and three. And Colorado, two and four in that division. So excited to get Dylan on. He'll be joining us uh, momentarily. Also, we'll hear from Rob Domofsky and Rich Samini. Uh, just waiting to hear and see what happens with this Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets uh, and how that all plays out. I do believe that that's going to happen before, of course, uh, the, 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 the draft uh, shows up for us, which is the end of April, uh, because, uh, you know, obviously um, whatever trade that goes down, whether it's a first round or a second round pick, uh, the Green Bay Packers are going to want to be able to utilize it, right? So we're just a few weeks away from the NFL draft. So we'll get an update from Rob Domofsky as well as Rich Samini in where that stands right now for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and the Jets. And really excited to have Cynthia Freeland uh, join us on the program as well. You see her all over the NFL network. One of my favorite things pertaining to the draft is the ability to 
gamble on it. What do I mean by that? You can gamble what quarterback goes first, how many quarterbacks go in the first round, uh, who's the first offensive lineman to go, um, how many offensive linemen are drafted in the first round, who's the first corner, who's the first wide receiver. Uh, There's so many ways and so much fun uh, in regard to watching the draft, watching it unfold, and wagering on it before the draft starts and while the draft is happening. So uh, we will continue to do a deep dive into all that draft coverage. And Cynthia Freeland is going to join us this evening, which I'm really, really excited about. Uh, a number of people, including Cynthia and the odds makers, feel really strongly that C.J. Stroud is going to go number one overall uh, to the Carolina Panthers. In fact, it's, it's minus 285. Uh, so what does that mean? It means you're laying $285 down to win $100 that C.J. Stroud goes to the Carolina Panthers uh, overall, number one overall in the first quarterback taken. If you think that Bryce Young might be that guy, it's actually a plus money. It's at plus 190. Will Levis is 40 to 1, and uh, Anthony Richardson is 11 to 1, just FYI. So there's that. So excited to get Cynthia on. And it's XFL Week 8. Stormy Bone and Tani will join us on the program as well. We went 7 and 1 the last two weeks now. We're winning you folks some money. So this might be the most important segment on the show with Stormy joining us. XFL Week 8 preview coming your way as well. So XFL, some NBA. NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, obviously centering uh, the Dodgers, as well as the Masters. Um, Of course, a tradition unlike any other. And earlier today, uh, Victor Hovland uh, really was uber, uber impressive and uh, came out really strong uh, and and, and took a a commanding lead at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Shoffley followed his lead. Some other guys that did well Earlier today, Shane Lowry, John Rahm. How about Brooks Kepka? A lot of people heading in to uh, the Masters weren't sure what they wanted to do with those live players. Brooks Kepka coming off of a win last week in Orlando on the live tour, uh, coming in and of course uh, doing well, uh, making a name for himself at the towards the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Seamus Power, Chris Kirk, Adam Scott, Cam Young. Um, some other names out there that are competing as well. Decky, Scotty Scheffler. So, uh, man, uh, th- the Masters does not disappoint, that's for sure. Uh, producing the show tonight, by the way, we've got Tyler and, uh, and Brian. Tyler, how you doing? How you doing this evening? Hey, Anita, I'm doing great. How are you? How are you doing? I am. This is my this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. I love the Masters. And uh, we, we really, and, and again, just FYI, really excited. We kicked off our golf show here on 710 ESPN LA last Sunday on the tee with me, Anita Marks. It airs every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. And we did a deep dive into uh, the Masters coverage, had a number of guests on. And uh, so Justin Thomas, uh, Shoffley, Decky, Sun JM, Siwoo Kim, Danny Willett. These were the guys that I was eyeing to finish. Justin Thomas and, and, and Shoffley, I felt very confident, could either win or finish in the top five, top ten. Um, Decky, Sun JM, Siwoo Kim finishing in the top ten, top twenty. Danny Willett finishing in the top forty. And sure enough, good start to uh, to the first round of the Masters. Have, did you watch any of the Masters earlier today? Yeah, I mean, I caught a little bit of it. Uh, obviously, I wanted to see how Tiger Woods ended up doing. Um, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Yeah, no, he it's, <laughs> he's always fun to watch. Uh, he's obviously aging, and you can see that in this game, but he, he's just so impressive. 
he is. Uh, I, I'm really hoping that he makes the cut uh, because uh, you know I wagered that he would make the cut. So uh, and and that was and that was a, a pretty hefty number. Um, I want to say at the time that he teed off earlier today. Um, I want to say it was like minus 170, minus 175, minus 190 in some places. So uh, Tiger has never missed the cut here at Augusta. In fact, he is such a historian of the game. He's looking to make the cut and tie the record with both Gary Player and uh, Freddie Couples uh, with the most cuts made here at the Masters. So uh, that's really, really going to be important for him. Obviously, the, the big storyline heading into the Masters uh, tomorrow, Friday, as, as well as Saturday, and of, of course through Sunday, is the weather conditions, Tyler. And, um, and, so, and, and there's mixed reports out there. So uh, guys that are going to be teeing off tomorrow afternoon – are expected to get the brunt of the worst weather conditions that are going to be hitting Augusta. Um, But there are some other reports out there that the worst of the storm isn't going to hit until the evening. So, and you know, it's interesting. A lot of people will wager on the masters and will, will, and not just the masters, just golf tournaments in general, and will weigh heavily in regard to the weather conditions because not everybody can tee off at the same time. That's what golf is about, obviously. So uh, those that are going to be teeing off in, in the morning tomorrow uh, are going to have a more likely advantage of missing the worst weather conditions. So, you know, that, that's, that's really going to be interesting. And, um, and, and a few of those guys who are going to be teeing off are the Sun JMs, are the Deckies, um, are the Danny Willits. Uh, Tony Finau, uh, Scotty Scheffler. So uh, a lot of the guys who teed off today in the afternoon will tee off in the morning tomorrow and will be more, you know, will, will have the advantage of being most likely to avoid the bad weather conditions. So that's something to, to keep in mind if you're going to wager on, uh, on, on round two. So there's that, right? It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy how much weather impacts the game. You know, we, it, we, we it watch does. all the other, all these, all of these other professional sports be played in any kind of weather, and the impact isn't nearly as great as it is on the game of golf. Yeah, and and a big reason again, they all can't tee off at the same time. So you know, is it a fair advantage? Is is it an unfair advantage? Yeah, one could argue that. Uh, you know, here here's another thing because I, this was a huge question that was posed to me heading into this tournament and that is you know how much of the weather how much how much are you accounting for the weather in regard to my picks and i said well not a lot because here's the thing as we know mother nature is just it's you just you 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 never know right so let's just say hypothetically speaking the worst weather conditions come in on friday night and therefore those actually who tee off in the morning on saturday are actually going to get the advantage because the course is going to play a lot a lot softer than it would for those that maybe if the weather conditions move along on Saturday, maybe late on Saturday afternoon. So again, you know, it's hard. I I don't, I do not put a lot of emphasis on handicapping in regard to weather. I just don't just FYI. One quick question for you before um, we get out of here. Um, uh When it comes to rain and the bunkers, do they just let the sand be wet or do they, do they do with base, like what they similarly do with baseball where they kind of put dry sand over it to kind of dry it out? How does that work? No, they go in there with the rake and, and, and they're constantly raking the sand just to kind of break it up. Uh, you can't put 
you know, they don't typically put fresh new sand on top, uh, but they're constantly in there raking it, you know, and, and, and making sure that trying to get it where it's, 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 a, it's a fair competitive field for everybody and everybody is experiencing the same sand um, situation across the board. Huh. So that's typically that's typically what they do. The more you know. So, <laughs> dun 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 dun. The more you know. Um, anyway, you're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. We get back. Dylan Hernandez from the LA Times will join us. You've got the Diamondbacks uh, starting a four game series tonight uh, against your LA Dodgers. Let's break it down and we'll look big picture in regard to some of the futures bets out there for the Dodgers as well. That next, right here on 710 ESPN LA. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Let's dive into your Dodgers as they've got a weekend series uh, that kicks off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Dylan Hernandez from the LA Times joins us now. So, Dylan, welcome in. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm I'm doing well. It's Masters week, so uh, I'm 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 a pig in mud, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, but but let's uh, let's talk about some Major League Baseball as uh, this uh, LA Dodgers team. Uh, they're sitting here. They're four and two on the season, uh, coming off uh, two wins against the Colorado Rockies. Split their four game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks at home for their home home opener. Your thoughts uh, so far on the start of the season? for the Dodgers? Well, I think if you're a uh, glass half full person, you know, I think you look at the starting rotation, right? And, you know, it's, it's everything I think the team was hoping it was going to be. And really, you talk to, you know, any executive who's putting a roster together, that's kind of the backbone of the team. So the, the fact that they have that going, you know, I, I did speak to Dave Roberts, the manager, uh, the other day before the game, he was that he was saying, you know, that is like the one thing uh, that he's happy about is that he knows that that's something that you can count on and something that can, they can build off. You know, I think uh, kind of the rest of it is kind of you know, how you look at things, right? In terms of uh, you know they play two teams, like if we're going to be honest, in the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, who kind of have like no chance of winning, right? They're two of the worst teams in baseball, uh, you know, and we saw kind of mixed things from the lineup. You know, I think. Uh, the fear is is that you know it's going to be Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, and then a huge drop off a cliff. Now, you know, uh, you know they got some production out of Jason Hayward. Uh, you know, JD Martinez finally kind of hit the ball. Uh, you know, against the Rockies at the end there. Uh, so there are signs that like hey, like maybe things will kind of come across. You know, improve in that regard. Of Max Muncy, you know, got on a pitch uh, the other day against against the Rockies also. So. You know, I think when you kind of look at that lineup, it could still, I think, kind of go either way, right? Where it looks, it could be a very kind of top-heavy lineup uh, that, you know, we maybe we've seen in recent years, like on teams like the Padres, where, you know, it was, uh, you know, Tatis, Machado, and then it kind of just fell off a cliff. Uh, or, you know, maybe it has a chance to be one of those kind of Dodger teams that, uh, you know, uh, managed to get production out of guys that, you know, they're not sure they're going to get a production from and turns out to be a surprisingly, you know, long lineup. And if it is... Uh, you know, they, they're going to go on and probably win 100 games again. And if not, uh, you know, I still think regardless, they're going to make the playoffs just because, again, the number of teams in the National League who aren't even trying almost, uh, you know, I'm thinking that they're probably, what, like nine teams competing for the six playoff spots. So they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll be playing baseball in October. It's just a question of like how much of a World Series threat they're going to be in the end. 
I hear you, uh, you know, plus 26 uh, run differential uh, in their first six games. Uh, you've got to feel good about that, especially since really they didn't make any major moves in the offseason, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, when, when you sat back, hot stove, cold stove, really, when you want to talk about the Dodgers and losing Trey Turner and a number of other guys, what, what, how concerned were you coming into this season? Uh, yeah, I think that this is as vulnerable as they have been for sure in in a while, right? In terms of, uh, again, there's a real danger, I think, uh, you know, probably more than in most years of, you know, where we're seeing, you know, cause the one thing I think is, you know, you go, go back even a couple of years here, uh, you know, one thing about, you know, the Dodger teams that say it's 17, uh, 18, you know, those teams that like made World Series runs, uh, they have like a lot of depth and so that depth extended to their bench, you know, and now I think, you know, since then, the, the composition of the front office has changed, right? Alex Antopoulos is now running the Atlanta Braves. Farhan Zaidi is running the Giants. And, and you kind of have seen that, like, you know, the, the team's not quite as, right, as, as the years have gone by, the team is, isn't quite as deep as it used to be. You know, whereas, you know, I think before, uh, you know, you had one through 25 and even probably guys beyond that even, right? Guys just on the 40-man roster who you know were able to kind of help you out in times. And, you know, I think – Probably, you know, I think in 21, even last year, the bench wasn't very good, right? The, the bench wasn't the type of bench where you can go to in a key spot necessarily. I remember like in 21, you know, they had Steven Souza strike out a few times, you know, when they, when they had to call on him, uh, you know, whereas in the years before, you know, you had maybe a Kike Hernandez, you know, kind of in a platoon type role who would be available off the bench at certain times. So again, they were very deep teams. And now, you know, they've gone from, again, I think the last couple of years, maybe the bench wasn't as deep. And now you're looking at the lineup and you start wondering, has the depth even started, you know, eroding at the lineup level, right? Which would be a major concern because I, I think, you know, again, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, those guys have track records. They're going to hit no matter what. I think uh, Will Smith is definitely on an upward trajectory. I mean, he's a superstar in the making. So I think one, two, three, you feel really good about. It's the question is what kind of comes after, you know, Max Muncie, Chris Taylor, have come off a couple of, you know, they're making, they're both making real money now. So these aren't, you know, it's not like when they first picked them up and it was, uh, hey, we're not paying these guys anything. If they, if they hit, it's a bonus almost. Uh, they need production from these guys. And, you know, uh, we're not sure they're, they're going to get it, right? Uh, J.D. Martinez, uh, while he does have a great track record, is on the older side. You know, uh, Trace Thompson, uh, Jason Hayward, again, gave, gave them some surprising uh, production the first week. But again, our guys that, you know, their recent track records haven't been great. Um, I very, again, well could see a lineup where, uh, you know, it's, again, top three and then it just kind of falls off a table. And that's a really hard way to play, especially in October, where you're just kind of waiting for a certain part of the lineup to come out and you have automatic outs in the bottom half of the lineup. Uh, that's not what you want. You know, and again, the, the point here isn't to get to October, right? That's, that's almost a given, especially in this expanded playoff format uh, for the Dodgers and just kind of the market they're in. Uh, the way they've branded themselves for them, it's about winning a world series, you know, and again, you, you need depth in both your lineup and your bench. And, you know, you're at a point right now where you're looking at this lineup and you can still see it, you know, as, as promising as some games were in this first week, uh, you could definitely see it turning into, again, a, a very kind of top heavy lineup with, with a lot of automatic outs at the bottom half of the lineup. And I think that that's a major concern. 
Dylan Hernandez joining us here on Bet LA 710 ESPN LA as the uh, Diamondbacks uh, embark on a, a four-game series uh, against the Dodgers. And this is their first, really, uh, you know, tonight's their, their home opener, right? So this is their first time. They're back at home. I actually like the Diamondbacks over 76 and a half wins this season. They had 74 last season. I'm not saying that they're going to win the division by any stretch of the imagination, but I do believe that they'll win more than 74 games. Um, with that being said, uh, bring us up to speed. What's what's going on with with Mookie? What's going on at the shortstop position? I know that the, the Dodgers are dealing with some injuries heading into this weekend series. Yeah, so uh, you know Mookie Betts had a bit of a collision-ish type thing with Jason Hayward, who's much bigger than he is in the outfield. Uh, you know, Mookie yeah, Betts was starting at second base the other day. Uh, you know, because again, uh, you know, Rojas had a little thing. Uh, you know, so they, they were sitting him, and so moved, they just kind of moved around, moved guys around, and it ended up with Boogie Betts in, in second base. And so he was backtracking. I think the hope was that it wasn't going to be that serious, you know, and that he was going to be able to be back in there. Um, you know, uh, who was it that got hit on the hand the other day? Miguel Vargas, right? And that was also part of the reason that he was in there at second base, because Vargas uh, had gotten hit on the thumb. Uh, you know, my understanding is that there isn't a fracture there that it's more just swelling at this point. So that's going to be probably just a matter of like how he feels in terms of, you know, being able to grip the bat. So uh, those are the kind of the two things to look for there. And so I think, uh, you know, uh, either one, I don't think they're expecting to be a long-term thing. Uh, definitely not something that's going to kind of change like the course of the season by any means. But uh, yeah, you know, with Mookie Betts, you know, again, they're, they're kind of in this position now where, you know, if he or Freddie Freeman go down at some point that uh, now, you know, again, both guys have a track record of posting every day, so I'm not saying that that's likely to happen. But you know, they are in a position now where they're really counting on on Freeman and Betts. Uh, you know, again, more than uh, you know, I think in, again in previous years because they were so deep, they were able to kind of uh, you know, uh, it didn't matter who went down at any point, right? They were able to have the depth to kind of make up for it. They might not have this this year, so keep an eye on Betts. Uh, you know, if it turns out to be more than a couple of days, again, it, it could be a problem for the Dodgers. That's the negative. Uh, the positive is is Thompson, who really has been quite impressive. I know small sample size, but nonetheless, uh, and, and with uh, question marks in regard to what they're going to do at center field, um, could really step up in a big way, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, that said, he's going to kind of have to, you know, he came up, uh, you know, when he, you know, however many years ago with the Dodgers, and he was great right away, and you know, great athlete, uh, you know, really good defensive player, uh, you know. And then he got a back injury that really kind of like derailed his career, I think, you know. And so we're gonna see. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting thing because you know last year he was a negative splits guy, meaning that he had righties better than lefties, and you know that prompted uh, you know uh, Roberts to kind of stick him in. You know, again, you know, I think in previous years one thing that you would have seen was right, um, you know, where they had so many of these guys in platoon situations and it kind of didn't matter, right. With the, you know, they could have homered three times like Thompson did the other day, the next day, you know, he would have been sitting because of the pitching matchup. Uh, what is kind of interesting right now is I do feel that the Dodgers are going through a bit of an experimental stage, right? Because, you know, at least in the past, they had a lot of data and a lot of their players and they had kind of decided like, Hey, this guy can't hit against lefties. This guy can't hit against righties. And I think what you're going to see this year, especially in the first couple of months is, um, you know, Dave Roberts, he's a, he's, a, he's a player's manager. And I think that that means he's going to give guys rope, right? I think in the past, again, because they had so much depth, one thing that you saw was, um, you know, they would prevent almost like preemptively 
stop their players from being exposed in a way, right? It's like, okay, well, he's a left-handed hitter. Let's try to avoid this guy having to face lefties. Uh, you know, but at the same time, I think that kind of stopped maybe guys from showing that they can do something, right? It was the thinking was very kind of a, it was a defensive mentality. And right now, because again, they don't have the depth that they've had in the past. They don't know really what they have on their roster. Uh, my feel is that Dave Roberts is going to give these guys a bit of a runway, right, to go out and fail. You know, they were, the other night, one of the games they lost, uh, Blue Star Gratterall, uh, you know, you could argue Roberts kept him out on the mound too much. But you know what? This is a guy who's a potential closer. And I think that, you know, Roberts wanted to see, okay, you know, there are guys that pitched their way into trouble, right, and pitched their way out of it. You know, Francisco Rodriguez, you know, down the road in Anaheim was known for doing that all the time. And, you know, I think Roberts' instinct was, okay, well, let's see if Gratterall can pitch his way out of this thing. Now, in this, in that particular case, he couldn't. It cost him a game. Uh, but I'm guessing that we're going to, again, early on, we're going to see a lot of this, you know. And so um, it, I expect the performances to be a bit uneven probably early on before, you know, as they're in the process of figuring out what they have. Uh, but that's going to be kind of part of this thing. And the whole point, again, is to, is to get this team right for October. I hear you. Uh, with that being said, uh, again, a four-game series begins tonight, obviously, uh, against the D-backs. Kershaw, Noah Syndergaard, just to name a few, uh, you know, uh, would this, w- will the Dodgers be lucky to come out 3-1 um, and one in this series? What are your expectations considering the pitching matchups? Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are clearly favored there, you know, I think in every game. I mean, you know, I've always kind of joked that that's Dodger Stadium East and that when you go to, um, you know, obviously Phoenix is a city of, you know, similar to Los Angeles, a city of transplants. And a lot of the people who live in Phoenix have ties to L.A. And when you go to a game at, at Chase Field, uh, there are a lot of Dodger fans. You know, I think opening day will obviously be a big deal for the local people. So, you know, the crowd, I'm sure, will be pro Diamondbacks in the first game. But my guess is that as the series goes on, you're going to see a bigger and bigger Dodger presence in the stands. Uh, they're by far the better team. Like you mentioned, the pitching matchups definitely go in their favor. They have the better lineup. Uh, you know, it is baseball. So, you know, I'm not expecting a sweep. But, yeah, I think three out of four is a very realistic expectation for the Dodgers. And uh, my guess is that that's what they'll be wanting to do. Great stuff, uh, Dylan. Thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Dylan Hernandez joining us from the L.A. Times, who covers the Dodgers. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. You got it. Uh, The Dodgers. Uh, their odds to win the World Series right now, 8-1. to one. Who's favored? The Astros, 7-1. to one. The Braves, 7-1 to one as well. The Yankees, plus 750. Uh, in regard to the National League, uh, they're behind the Atlanta Braves. Braves favored at plus 330. The Dodgers at 4-1. to one. And uh, in regard to their division in the NL West, they are favored at minus 120. Watch out for those Padres, plus 135. The Giants, plus 850. The Arizona Diamondbacks, 4-1. to one. One in Colorado, 170 to one. Hey, now, yep, uh, no, no respect there uh, for Colorado, uh, but nonetheless, and I, I'm looking. You can wager whether or not uh, the Dodgers will make it to the playoffs or not. Yes, is minus five twenty-five. What does that mean? You're laying five hundred twenty-five dollars down to win a hundred dollars that they make it to the playoffs. The no is four to one so you're laying a hundred dollars down to win 400 that they do not but dylan sounds pretty confident uh that they will make it to the postseason um so there's that all right a really like i said a really fun series coming your way with the dodgers and the diamondbacks obviously they're in action right now and will continue through the weekend you're listening to bet la here on 710 espn la 
Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Anita Marks with you. Great to have Dylan Hernandez uh, break down that Dodgers uh, Diamondback series for us this weekend. Looking around Major League Baseball, there was a number of games, Tyler, by the way, that were postponed today. Bad weather, not just what's being expected in uh, in Augusta for the uh, the Masters, but also Astros and Twins, Reds and Phillies, uh, Marlins and Mets, Yankees and Orioles. All those games have been postponed uh, to the seventh, uh, which will be the, their, their makeup day, obviously. So, um, so there's that. Yeah, you know, un- un- unfortunately, weather conditions across our our country are uh, are no bueno. In looking at the standings, uh, just to put a big fat bow on our conversation with Dylan Hernandez, uh, looking at the American League East, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, they are undefeated so far this season. How about that? Uh, Six and zero. Oh, the Yankees right behind them at four and two. The Blue Jays, if if you recall. I know we've been talking about Major League Baseball for the last few weeks here on the show, talking about some of the futures bets out there. I still believe the Toronto Blue Jays will win the division, but boy, are the Tampa Bay Rays off to a really, really great start. Uh, But the Blue Jays, and how about the Orioles? Don't sleep on the Orioles. I like their win total over uh, this season. And so both the Blue Jays and the Orioles are sitting at three and three. In regard to the Central, Cleveland, five and two. The Twins, four and two as well. Chicago White Sox, three and three. The Royals, not a great start at one and five. In the West, the Rangers and the Angels off to a great start at four and two. The Astros right behind them at three and four. I do have the Astros winning the West, by the way. I've got the Astros uh, in the World Series as well. In the National League, the Braves kicking butt and taking names. They've won three straight. They're sitting at five and one. No surprise there. I have the Braves winning the National League East this season. The Mets not too far behind, but dealing with a lot of injuries has not been a great start to the season for a Mets team who's got the highest uh, roster salary. In major major league baseball, almost close to three hundred and fifty million dollars. Meanwhile, they're tied. This is funny, Tyler. They're tied with the Marlins, who are sitting at three and four. The Mets are three and four. And oh, by the way, the Marlins roster eighty one million dollars. This is a perfect example of how the game of baseball has changed, right? You you flash back twenty twenty five years ago, and you look at the Bronx Bombers, and you see a team that threw money at players, and it paid off. But we've transitioned away from throwing money at players, and we've now, the the dawn of the young players, the dawn of the farm system is really among us. You know, you mentioned the, the Tampa Bay Rays. We're seeing guys like Jeffrey Springs and Shane McClanahan and Wander Franco. These are guys that have come up through Tampa Bay's farm system that are now starting to pay dividends. Transition over to the Baltimore Orioles, same example. You've got guys like Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman. Uh, who are coming up and are paying off. So I think that what we're seeing in baseball is that money can't really buy you everything anymore. And I think that really started, I think it really kicked off when we saw the Miami Marlins throw all that money at John Carlos Stanton and then ultimately trade him away to the Yankees. Yep. And, uh, and and here we are. Like I said, the Mets almost close to you know $350 million 
um, <laughs> salary for their roster, and they're tied with the Marlins right now. It really is unbelievable, Tyler. Uh, great points made for sure. Uh, Milwaukee, the top of the Central at five to one, followed by the Pirates, uh, and then of course the Dodgers at the top of the West, as we just talked about with Dylan, uh, with the Padres and the Diamondbacks on their coattails. Uh, the Giants and the Rockies sitting with two wins as well. So that's what Major League Baseball looks at. Uh, we're we're going to turn our attention to uh, some NFL, but before we do, you know, I, I know I mentioned the Masters at, at the top of the show, and and of course for good reason. Um, you know, it is a major. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. But, you know, I, I'd like to spend a little bit more, t- more time talking about Tiger Woods. So round one obviously was today. Tiger Woods finished plus two on the day. So and, and I just want to bring up his scorecard. So, um, you know, he started off, uh, you know, his first two holes. He was he was he was even par. Uh, then he bogeyed three. He bogeyed five. He bogeyed seven and he parred eight. I, I, he, he birdied eight. So he finished the back nine at plus two. And then, I'm sorry, the front nine at plus two, then went to the back nine, bogeyed 11, and then finished pretty strong, birdied 15 and 16, unfortunately bogeyed 18, so he finished with a 74 today, so he's plus two on the day, and he's hovering, he's tied for 54th. Now, as I said earlier in the show, I bet that Tiger Woods would make the cut, only 50, the top 50, advance uh, on to Saturday and Sunday. So right now, sitting at uh, at plus two, he's tied for 54th, and he's on the outside looking in. So he's got a 48.6% shot of... Um, of making it, uh, of, of making the cut. Actually, now it just changed. Uh, Data Golf, 47.5% shot of making the cut. I, I do believe he makes the cut, right? Like, um, you know, uh, granted weather conditions tomorrow, uh, this is a big topic of discussion. Uh, those that, that, you know, that can survive the weather conditions. But here's the thing with Tiger Woods. It's not that he can't play well in rain. Granted, is it going to be more difficult to walk the course if it's soggy and wet and, you know, you've, you've got your, your golf cleats and, and it, you know, the traction and whatnot? Yes. But the one thing that you have to be most concerning uh, in regard to Tiger Woods is the temperature. And temperatures are not supposed to dip until Saturday and Sunday. So that's the plus when it comes to Tiger Woods. Really, that's that's where things get rough for Tiger Woods when he has to wake up at three three thirty in the morning to start getting ready for an early round, and it's thirty five or forty degrees out. And apparently, those weather th- those temperature conditions aren't supposed to be in effect until Saturday and Sunday. So I still want to believe that Tiger is going to make the cut. Um, I wagered that he would make the cut. It's always great to wager on somebody that you want to root for, right? Yeah. Um, at least absolutely. I think it is. Of course. I'm sure a number. I'm sure a number of people out there, right, Tyler? I'm, I'm sure a number of people out there wagered that Tiger would make the cut. I, I mean, you know, he's he's made the cut pretty much every time uh, that he has teed it up at the Masters. Um, granted, he's getting older. His body is wearing down. I get all that. Right now, it's not looking great because he's on the outside looking in. It would have been great if he would have birdied 18 as opposed to bogeyed 18 because uh, then he would be sitting there, you know, obviously at even. And if he was at even, then he'd be tied for 32 and he'd have more of a 68 to 75% chance of of making the cut. But um, 
again, you know, weather conditions, not, not supposed to be great on Friday afternoon, but when it comes to tiger, it's more about the temperature as opposed to rain or wind. And, and I think that's key. Right. What, what, what are I your think, thoughts, Tyler? Do I think, you think he'll that make he it. Makes the cut? I think he'll make it. And the reason being is that he's got so many years of experience waking up early and dealing with weather. Granted, you can look at the statistics and you can say, oh, well, Tiger doesn't play as well when he's got to get up early or Tiger doesn't play as well when it's cold or when it's rainy. But what you what you don't tend to factor in is the resilience of Tiger Woods. And the man has been playing this game for so long that he knows what needs to get done. And we've seen him get it done countless times in the past. So at this point, the only real the only real confidence that we can have in Tiger Woods is based off of the experience that he has in the game. And for me, that's plenty. Absolutely. So we'll see. Uh, and we're, we'll be here all for it. Uh, when we get back, uh, Rob Demosky and Rich Samini uh, will give us an update on what's going on between the Green Bay Packers and the Jets, right? I feel like we've been on Roger Watch for a long time now. When is this deal going to get done? We'll find out. We'll find out the latest. What's going on with the Green Bay Packers and the Jets next right here on Bet LA 710 ESPN LA. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Each and every week, I host a gambling digital show on ESPN Plus. It's called Bet. Hmm, how appropriate. Uh, this week, Rob Demosky, who covers the Green Bay Packers, and Rich Samini, who covers the Jets, were so kind to join me on the program. Uh, we're all waiting for this trade to go down, right? Aren't we? Uh, between the Green Bay Packers and the Jets for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Every day, it's a new storyline. Who has the leverage? Is it the Green Bay Packers? Is it the Jets? Uh, What's going to happen? Is this trade going to go down? Is it not? So uh, again, uh, it was great that they both joined me on the program uh, to do a deeper dive. And so uh, let's listen in. Started off with Rob Demosky with an update on the Green Bay Packers. We're going to hear from Rob Demosky. does a phenomenal job covering the Green Bay Packers. Waiting to see when will this deal get done? Aaron Rodgers being traded to the Jets. Let's check in with Rob and what's going on with the Green Bay Packers. Anita, the ball seems to be in the Jets' court, from what I'm told, or at least that's the way the Packers are looking at it. Packers GM Brian Gutekunst and Jets general manager Joe Douglas talked more than once last week at the NFL meetings in Phoenix without finishing a deal. The way I understand it, the Packers are waiting for the Jets to meet their demands, not the other way around. That would indicate the Packers would feel like they have leverage. But for how long is the question? If this deal doesn't get done before the draft, which is three weeks away, then perhaps the leverage shifts to the Jets. However, that's only if the Jets are the only team involved. At some point, if the Packers feel like they can't get a deal done with New York, then perhaps they will open it up to other teams. Now, the problem there is that Rodgers has already said that he wants to play for the Jets, and he would have to agree to go to another team. Early on, I was told there were other teams interested, but at this point, that hasn't materialized. Wow. Great stuff, Rob. Appreciate it. Rich Samini joins us now. Rich, we're both in New York. We've both been covering this story, and we know just how anticipated Jets fans are to hopefully land Aaron Rodgers. So let's start right here. Beware of the Ides of March. My parents got married on March 15th. Needless to say, they're divorced. (laughs) That doesn't bode well. But on that day, 
Aaron Rodgers said his intention is to play for the Jets. And here we are three weeks later and still no Aaron Rodgers here in New York. So uh, tell us, where does this trade with Aaron Rodgers stand right now from the Jets perspective? Yeah, Anita, it's a funny timeline. Three weeks since Rogers' statement, and we're three weeks to the draft. So we're right in the middle, smack dab in the middle, kind of a no-man's land between the Jets and Packers. I can tell you from a Jet perspective, they believe they have the leverage because it's Green Bay that would lose the most if this deal does not get done before the draft. The Packers seemingly would want 2023 draft compensation to reap immediate dividends from this trade and to surround their new quarterback Jordan Love with some new players so really the pressure is probably on the Packers to get it done before the draft at least from a Jet perspective so the Jets are very content to slow play this right up until the draft on April 27th their offseason program does start on April 17th but publicly and privately the Jets are telling people that if Aaron Rodgers is not on the roster and he's not there we're not going to sweat it so that's it from the Jet perspective they're really in no hurry right now to get this done. So let's talk about Lamar Jackson for a second, right? When Lamar Jackson came out and asked the Ravens for a trade, the Jets made it known that they were not in the market for Lamar Jackson. They were going to pass up. I think it's important that we also point out that Joe Douglas comes from that Baltimore Raven, Ozzie Newsome tree in regard to the front office. That might play a role here. But since then, and, and, and now we're not seeing this trade with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers move fast enough. What are you hearing in regard to plan B? Could it potentially be Lamar Jackson? Well, I was talking with Joe Douglas, the Jets general manager, last week in Phoenix at the owners' meetings, and I asked him point blank, Joe, are you interested in Lamar Jackson? He said, he's a hell of a quarterback, but we're not interested. We don't want to come across as disingenuous. And what he meant by that was he doesn't want to be committed to one player, i.e. Rodgers, and being negotiating with another player, he felt that would be, like he said, disingenuous. He wants to come across as being transparent. Now, he did get criticized in some circles for taking a Pollyanna approach to the situation, but I think it just goes to show the Jets' confidence level in getting Rodgers is so high that they're not even looking in different directions. He is their plan A, their plan B, and their plan C. All right, so with that being said, this is a gambling show, Rich, Like, and we're always into numbers. So let's say on a scale of 1 to 100, 100 being your most confident, how confident are you that Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Jets in 2023? I'm a 99, Anita. This deal is going to get done, and I'm fairly certain it's going to get done before or perhaps even during the draft on April 27th and 28th. And I know now there's some rumors out there that there might be a couple of teams hanging out in the weeds, being interested in Rodgers and trying to trade for him. Uh, Again, those are only rumors. And I would say to that, I don't think the Jets are going to be freaked out by that at all because they have two things that those teams don't have. They have a verbal commitment from Aaron Rodgers, who, as you stated at the top, said it on national, you know, a national interview that he wants to play for them. And number two, they have Nathaniel Hackett, their offensive coordinator. He and Rodgers are like brothers. Rodgers consider his, considers Hackett almost like a big brother. So because of those two factors, Jets are in the driver's seat, so they are not sweating this. What we have now is an old-fashioned staring contest between the Packers and Jets. Eventually, someone will blink and the deal would get done. It's a 99 for me, Anita. Wow. And we're still a few weeks away from the NFL draft. I have a feeling you're right, Rich. I think that's how long this is going to play out. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today on Bet.
All right. I want to thank again, uh, Rich Samini and Rob Demosky joining us, uh, giving us some insight in regard to how this potentially uh, could materialize and and what that timetable is. Uh, Just to give you an idea in regard to some of the futures bets out there. uh, and, And it sounds to me that both Rob and Rich feel that this trade will go down and more than likely will go down prior to uh, the uh, the draft happening at the end of this month. The Jets to win the Super Bowl, 14 to 1. The Jets to represent the AFC, 9 to 1. Lower odds than I would anticipate. I'm just saying. I just Here's the thing. I just don't think the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers is the end-all, be-all. There's got to be more here. Aaron has to be committed. We also don't know what are they going to do with the offensive line position. Their offensive line has been a complete disaster for so many years. So, and, and are they going to have to give up that number one, number 13, that, that first round, that number 13 pick in order to get Aaron? I, I, there's just so, so many question marks here. For them to win the division is plus two. I'm not on that. Right now, you can get the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC East at plus money. I want to say it's like plus 110 or plus 120, something like that. That's where my money would flow. The over-under win total is 9.5. Do they make it to the playoffs? Yes, is minus 135. Okay, I would play that because they very well could get in as a wild card. Uh, Coach of the year for Robert Sala is 12-1. to As for the Green Bay Packers, uh, anticipating them to roll with love as their starting quarterback, 5-1 uh, to win their division over Minnesota and the Bears and Detroit. I like Detroit to win the division this year. Yes, you heard me correctly. Over under 7.5 wins, and yes, to make it to the playoffs. For them, it's plus money at plus 180. Just goes to show you the odds makers not very confident in Jordan Love. That's for sure. We come back. We kick off our number two. Cynthia Freeland will join us. I'll ask her what are her thoughts in regard to the Aaron Rodgers saga and how she thinks it's going to play out. Also, what's going on with Lamar Jackson. And we do a deep dive into this year's NFL draft and how you can wager on it next here on Bet LA 710 ESPN LA.